Hey there, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning back in to the Business Email Compromise Checklist podcast. Last time you tuned into episode number one, we had a we had our first episode on the first step of our business email compromise checklist. So today we're going to be moving forward in the process. And joining us here today, we have Lisa Wallace once again. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Would you mind giving us just a quick 30-second to one-minute recap for those listeners of ours who might have just joined us here on episode two? Absolutely. The first point in the business email compromise checklist is identify. Identify is fundamentally surface mapping. What surfaces do you have that are externally exposed or internally exposed? What surfaces do you have that could be susceptible to a business email compromise? You need to find out what you have before you can move forth with how to, how to protect it. Absolutely. So, so Lisa, what step comes next in the process? What's next on our checklist? Uh, the next checklist is protect. In this phase, you begin to look at the various components that you've identified that you've got that are available that could be compromised, and you start looking at how to protect those. Um, the first recommendation that we have is multi-factor authentication, particularly for anything with webmail, VPN, anything like that. Proper multi-factor authentication has been shown to be the most significant preventative control against BEC. It is head and shoulders above anything else you can do. Other things can help. They can mitigate, but they're not going to carry the weight of MFA. MFA, multi-factor authentication, it contains two or more of three components. It's something you know, password, PIN, something like that. Something you have, which might be a hardware token, a software token, a USB key, something like that and or something you are. This would be a retina scanner, a fingerprint scanner, something like that. Anything that you have, when you have multiple factors that are verifying your identity, the harder it is for an attacker to compromise. Fantastic. So a few good themes you hit on there. I mean, one being multi-factor authentication. There, there are certain general topics that you know, an organization can take back with them and, and say, you know, this is something that's going to help us to mitigate risk around business email compromise. But, you know, you seem to hammer home the point there with multi-factor authentication. What is what does the next step really look like in terms of an actual physical action, uh, you know, that, that a business leader at an organization can take today around multi-factor authentication? What, what can they do to bring that multi uh, MFA value to their company? The biggest challenge to MFA seems to be cultural. It mm -hmm. does add a, a slight onus. I don't consider it to be significant onto the user. It's a cultural thing. It's one more right. step to log in before what they're doing now. Whether it is a token that they're getting via SMS, whether they need to put the RSA app on their phone, whatever it is, it's going to be something new and different. And it depends on the organizational tolerance for that new and different, how difficult it is to implement something like that. Unfortunately, what we're seeing is that some organizations the impetus to implement it is a breach. It is a business email compromise. It is something has happened that compromised their data. And we would hope that all of our listeners would realize that they should look at this and start that cultural process before they get to that point. Yep, absolutely. Especially when you start to talk about roaming devices, users working on different devices, users working on different networks. It just adds a an extra layer of security that, you know, not only do you need to know a password, you got to have a password. You have to have an authenticator app. It has to be, you know, so, sometimes uh, there are organizations that are using biometric recognition and facial recognition as a layer of their MFA strategy. So can be a little bit of work in certain cultures because users might not like that they have to 
put in a little bit of extra information to validate who they are and that they're authorized to move forward with a specific resource or with specific data. But um, from our perspective, certainly worth making that cultural shift to prevent against the risks related to business email compromise. So thanks for sharing that perspective, Lisa. And I want to circle back just for a second. And sir, a couple more things other than MFA that you can do to help protect your organization. MFA is obviously the primary. There are other things that you can do um, involving um, ACLs, access control lists. Let's say you have a webmail portal that you need to have up and you need to allow certain suppliers or a certain percentage of your work at home people. What can you do to restrict that with the way of an ACL? So not everybody can get to that, only people in certain IP ranges. Um, geolocation can be pretty, pretty easily spoofed, but that is a better control than no control at all. Um, can you put that behind a VPN so that they have to have VPN access? Again, it's not quite as good as MFA. The other thing to do when you're looking to protect, in addition to MFA getting access to the things, is what processes and procedures can you put into place to protect those items as they flow through the various channels? For example, if you've got a process that happens via email and that process includes moving money, it's a wire transfer, it's connected to EDI, it somehow has a financial impact on your organization, what additional checkpoints and controls can you put in there to protect that process and keep those emails from being compromised? And if they are compromised, keep them going through. Maybe you do have a fraudulent wire transfer come in, but what, what internal controls do you have that can stop that? Other things that you can do is highlight anything. And this one, there seems to be a serious cultural sensitivity to this, and I'll freely admit I do not understand it. Um, most corporate email systems at this point will allow you to flag an externally facing email with the word, an inter externally originating email with the word external, or some type of indicator that this came from outside your organization. Um, what we've seen fairly often is spoofed emails per pretending to come from an iPhone or an iPad or some kind of electronic device, they're being spoofed as an internal email, but they're actually originating externally. Putting that additional level of control on there is going to stop and make your user say, wait, um, Joe Smith sent me this thing from his iPhone, but why is there this external email flag? It's an extra pause for them to do a little more due diligence. The other thing that you can do is leverage your mail platform, any email filtering that it's doing, um, have it do anti-malware and phishing checks, um, flag things for a portal to use for a user to look at to make sure that before it gets to them, it's had any automated screening that you can have. Um, you should also do some ongoing user training on the risks of email compromise, how to spot a fish, and create a corporate culture where anybody can say anything. Because the most important asset there is your people. And if they have the ability to say something looks wrong, they may catch things that all the technology in the world that you can buy is never going to do. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the, you hammered home a good point there. There's a technical component to security, right? But there is also that human component. And when you start to talk about business email compromise, it's uh, definitely important to make sure that we're marrying the two in any sort of comprehensive security strategy. So thanks for mentioning that, Lisa. And that just about wraps us up here for today. Would you mind just giving us a brief look forward to what our listeners have to look forward to for our next episode? Absolutely. Um, our next point is an important one that I hope none of our listeners ever have to deal with. It is detect. When you think something has happened, how do you verify that it has happened? And how do you start tracking down your IOCs, your indicators of compromise and things like that, and figure out what situation you're truly dealing with? 
Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time today, Lisa. Uh, and for any of our listeners, if you would like to reach out to us uh, to have a conversation around your security strategy around information security, specifically around business email compromise, feel free to reach out to our team at info at microsolved.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.